بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ونسلی علی رسول الکریم اما بد الحمد للہ ٹنائٹ از دا ففت آف اکٹوبر ان دا ایئر الحمد للہ وی اسپینڈ اے فیو سیشنس ڈسکوسنگ دا موسٹ امپورٹنٹ سبجیکٹ وتھ ریگارڈس ٹو ریفلیکشنس آن ڈیتھ اینڈ دا آفٹر لائف And the last thing I mention, which I'll mention again in summary, is the words of Hassan al-Basri, rahmatullahi, and he said that if Allah the Almighty and Glorious, He wants good for a servant, He gives him some of the world, and then He stops giving until He has used that up. Then He resumes His grant. But, When a person is lowly in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he grants him spreading out the world for him. So this is one of the ways that Allah Ta'ala deals with his servants. If he loves you and he intends good, he gives you and then he doesn't give you anything more. When you exhaust that, he gives you some more. When you exhaust that, he gives you some more. But if he opens the floodgates, that is not a good sign. <laughs> So why, who are we to question? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is how we know he's looking after his servants. So what's interesting, we would not want that for our own family. If somebody says to you, this is how I treat my children, if you're wealthy, I just give them enough. When they spent it, I give them just enough. A person will call you a miser, especially with your own children. So we don't make comparisons for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is his kindness. And it also shows that it's not necessarily a good thing if he gives you from the world. People think this is a good sign. It's not a good sign. But if you ask for paradise, he gives you. The hadith is in Tabarani Hassan, the Prophet wasallam said, when he asks for the world, he does not give. When he asks for paradise, he gives. So this is something we have to wait for. Imagine the very first time you ask for paradise. What if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the very first time you ask, I gave it to you. Will you be then bothered about the other doors? Or imagine, he gives you everything except paradise. So who's the one who's, the one he loves, the one who's given paradise to? There's a matter where he gives you from anything else. And how could this not be the case when our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Whoever takes from the world over and above what is sufficient for him has then foolishly taken his death whilst he does not even know. SubhanAllah. This is in Deirlami in his Muslim al-Firdaus number 363 Ibn Asakir in his Tariq Dimishq 55-191 So look at how interesting. The Prophet doesn't contradict. He can never contradict. The Prophet said if you take more from the world more than what is sufficient You're killing yourself. That's what he's saying. <laughs> Now think about that. What is sufficient? What did the Prophet Islam famously say? In Sayyid Bukhari and Muslim. The little and sufficient is better than the abundant and the alluring. That's a famous hadith. So what does that mean? It means that the what is enough for you to live your life is far better for you than what is more than that. Now think about that. If you put that into pound sterling, would that, does that make any sense? 
So somebody says to you, you need 150 pound a week to live off. You got your groceries, you're paying your bills, but you got nothing saved. And somebody goes to you, you're better off having 200 pound. The answer is no, I'm not. Because how do you know? I've got extra 50 pound because the Prophet said it. I don't need the 50 pound. So forget about 1,000, 10,000, 50,000. That doesn't make, we're just talking like 50 pound over what's your necessity. It doesn't mean that you're sinful. This is important to highlight. But it means that you're better off without that. And what was the clue the Prophet gave in the Hadith? It will tempt you. Why? Because when you are fulfilling your needs and necessities, then you're going to start doing other things with your money. And what do you start doing it with? You're not like the companions of the Prophet. You're going to start doing strange things with it. Astaghfirullah. How beautiful was the exhortation of the grandson of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Hassan ibn Ali What did he say? The least of the world is sufficient. The whole of it does not enrich. <laughs> you know, problem now is we want bayans. Somebody goes, I want a good half an hour. If you look at the Salaf, they just give you one statement and like we'd say, go and chew on it. Go and chew on it now. Meaning, you know, reflect upon what this man has said. So what did the great grandson of the Prophet say? The least of the world is sufficient. Meaning, little of it is enough for you. Eat, drink, shelter, pay your bills, sufficient. The whole of it will not make you wealthy. Look what he said. Imagine somebody goes to you, I'm giving you the keys to the world. That, he said, does not mean you're wealthy. Now, what did he mean by that? Of course, you're wealthy in the sense of, you know, you got money. It means it doesn't enrich your life. You've just taken on more now, more headache. More money, more headache. Ask the people who are blessed with wealth. More money, more headache. You know, how many times I've mentioned, you know, one of the elders is blessed with a lot of property. And when somebody approached him, he goes, why do you come to the masjid? And he's brutally honest because I haven't got time. So what is preventing him in his own testification from coming to the masjid? His property. So what's the point of that property? Think about it. You know, not, you know, somebody, because this is my own problem. I've got too much, you know, too many pots, you know, hands in the pots, as they say. <coughs> Astaghfirullah. Our needs are in reality few in the world, whilst those who hanker after it can never be satisfied. Now, why is it an insatiable illness? Because the Prophet ﷺ, he said in Sahih Hadith in Behaki, two people can never be satisfied. Talibul dunya wa talibul ilm. Two people, you can never satiate them. The seeker of the world. Now think about that. What is the Prophet saying? He goes, he's got an incurable disease. He thinks if I get to X, I'm going to be happy. He's lying. He's deceiving himself. Why? Because the Prophet's words are nullified. Then. No, you get to X, what happens? I want Y. And when you get to Z, I go back to A. Don't think you finished the Z. Now I go back to A. And you. And what's interesting, you know, you shouldn't promote films. But one of the films, I think is Wall Street. What does he actually say? You know, it's like part of the script. He's driving past with one of his marids. <laughs> marids, isn't it? Marid for what? Right? Hell. And then he goes past this huge block of, you know, flats or whatever. He goes, that was my first investment. And he says, you know, at the time I thought I had all the wealth in the world. And then I can't remember what he said after that. But he basically looks back and thinks, you know, was that really well? That was nothing. 
But what? Think about that. He actually confirmed the hadith of the Prophet. You will never be satisfied. You got one block of flats, what happens? He's looking bad thinking I'm still a pauper. I thought I had all the world. And if you look at the people of old, how can we compete with them? We don't want to compete with them. Karuns and the Hamans and the Pharaohs. They had the world. If somebody says to you, you know, it, 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 you, I can't think of a person who can say this. How much, uh, what you worth, my brother? He goes, it takes eight people to carry one of my keys. Which person is going to say that? You think, is, you have, are you having a laugh, brother? What, well, how big is your key? It takes eight people to carry one of my keys. What's behind that key? <laughs> What's the opening? You're a Jewish by Jewish, you know, what is it? And I was Karun. So think about that. And his wealth is still here, he's gone. So note, and also once the Prophet told Abu Hurairah, he goes, a loaf of bread and a jug of water and to hell with the world. The Prophet said to Abu Hurairah, because all you need is a food and drink. And then he goes, forget it. <laughs> Forget it. And what's interesting, you know, when people are stressed, a lot of the times they're stressed over what they've taken from the world. Mm. You know, think about that. You know, like, actually, I'm stressed. Why am I stressed? Is it because I'm ill? That's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Most of the time, it's you. I've got the headache. I've got a headache on myself. The guy's not paying his rent. Right? Next minute, right? and then you think, what's happening? Oh, you don't know. Right? And then he's phoning you. Your radiator's not working. Your boiler's gone. Roof's leaking, right? And then you're thinking, what the heck is going on here? <laughs> in continuation, those in the graves have already graciously passed to three awesome trials. So think about it. Every believer in the grave, they've gone past three tests, three massive tests. What are those? <laughs> Ibrahim Ziyat, rahmatullahi, he said, make dua earnestly for the dead who have now, by the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, passed through three extreme dangers. They asked, what are those three dangers they have passed? The first, they've seen the angel of death. The second, they have tasted death. And the third, he is now no more fearful of death. Subhanallah. <laughs> Recorded by Imam Ghazali rahmatullah in his Ihya, volume 2, page 242, in the chapter on social living and mingling. So think about that. Everybody who you know who've, who's died, have they seen the angel of death? 100%. Have you seen the angel of death? No. So they've passed that. That's true. Somebody goes, well, you know, mashallah, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing the angel of death. <laughs> the angel of death, if he comes in a frightening form, the report says that is enough punishment for you. But that's just the beginning. The second is, everybody who's died, they've tasted death. Somebody goes, what's the big deal there? The big deal there is, even the righteous, they feel the pangs of death. After a hundred years, a dead person was taken out of the grave. Because I can still feel the agonies of death. They've gone through it. It's a history for them now. I don't have to die again. And the third is, they don't fear death now. Death is gone. So even those who are dead, you should think, Alhamdulillah, congratulations, you've gone past three tests, made dua for me. So I'm steadfast in those three tests. Look how strange that is to many people. You're asking the dead to make dua for you, yeah, because they've been through it. You can't ask them, but you know they've been through it. Whilst we who are still alive, are in that most fear of conditions about which our beloved messenger said, 
the believing man is between two things that arouse fear. One is that which has passed and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will judge him for it. The other is what is pending and what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will decree for him. By him in whose hand is my soul, there is no way to earn blessing after death. After this life, there is no abode except paradise or hell. Imam Ghazali then said with a, with a sign, Allahul Musta'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our helper. Subhanallah. This is in Behaki in Shu'ab al-Iman, Ibn al-Mubarak in his Zuhd, Imam Ghazali in his Ihya volume 4, page 192 in the chapter on fear and hope. So let's look at this. So what did the Prophet simply say, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? He goes, the believer always has two problems. This will take, he will go with this to the grave. One is what the sins he's committed. He doesn't know how Allah is going to deal with that. Isn't that true? We hope he's forgiven. Eh? But how do you know? So that's a big problem. And the second is, what's my fear going to be? I might be solid now, but who knows how many people have been solid and they die, you know, in kufr. So think about that. Those two things alone should give you grief. What sort of a life is this? Then he said, after you die, you can't do anything. Now what did he mean by that, the Prophet You become a spiritual beggar. What does that mean? You yourself are now crippled. You can't do anything. You have to rely upon handouts. So think about that. Are you waiting for that? Somebody goes, all the people who've died, are they waiting for handouts? Yes. Some get more than others. But you're right. You know, they'll call it as it is. They're waiting for handouts. Is there anything they can take themselves? Yes. If they were clever, they would have done it in their lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Knowledge which benefits righteous children who make dua and sadaqah. Mm-hmm. All of that is your own deeds. You need to have done that yourself. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't done that, handouts, mm-hmm. then Imam Ghazali, look what he said. Allah is our helper. <laughs> now what shocked me was, was he worried about? <laughs> you know, we should be saying, Allah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our helper. Imam Ghazali said it. He goes, like we say, God help us. We are in deep trouble. Thus, our beloved messenger went as far as to say, He who truly craves for paradise does good deeds. He who truly fears hell turns away from lusts. He who truly awaits death gives up enjoyment. And he who abstains from the world, difficulties are made easy for him. Subhanallah. Recorded in Ibn Hiban, Imam Ghazali Rahmatullah in his Ihya, volume 4, page 246, in the chapter on poverty and asceticism. Now think about this. Do we all believe in paradise? If you don't, you're kafir. That's not regular Iman. So no Muslims going to say, I don't believe in Iman. Uh, I don't believe in paradise. So of course we believe in it. But the Prophet wasn't referring to that. What he's saying is there's a proof to every statement. What's the proof? If you crave paradise, you will do good deeds. Think about that. If somebody goes to you, who were the ones who truly had absolute yaqeen in paradise? The Prophets. Where's the proof? Their whole life was ibadat. Who's next? The companions. Why? Look at their deeds. Then you come down to us. And somebody says to you, brother, forget about anything else. If you follow them, please. 
because fard brother you know what it is like a tire with nuts bit loose <laughs> that's your fard forget about engine <laughs> tire with not loose right and then he goes do you believe in paradise you know brother and then you go well, the wheels going to come off so the response is deeds are a proof then what did the prophet last time say he who fears hell turns away from lust you got natural inclinations and desires you turn away from that why brother hell hell is a reality it's not a joke <laughs> right hell is a reality in fact hell is more a reality than the sun you know think about that you know everybody believes in the sun what about hell there's no doubt about hell if you truly believe that you will curb your lust the prophet said sallallahu alaihi wasallam he who awaits death he avoids the you know the lahu the useless things why because i have got time brother death is coming and you want me to play snooker mm-hmm. right and this doesn't mean snooker sir <laughs> right death's coming you want me to play cards death's coming and then the response is you know he's right but there's a time to relax as well but unfortunately we've permanently relaxed right so you give up enjoyment if you wait for death now the last thing is fascinating he who abstains from the world difficulties are easy for him Now that's a profound statement. When you have a problem, some people have a problem with the problem. What do I mean by that? They find like the whole world on their shoulders. Other people it's like water on a dog's back. And then you go, hang on a minute. This guy's on his knees are buckling. This guy, he's got a big smile. They have the same problem. The response is the one who takes less from the world. Allah Taala gives him the tawfiq to to throw kitchen sink he can deal with it young got a problem you know for instance you know I'll give you a few examples when people get the diagnosis of cancer don't you notice the reactions are different some people that say you must have given death sentence he go no that say the another person he goes yeah, so what and he goes well, and even the doctor says look you you know you got you got stage 4 cancer and he goes yeah and he goes so you going to start treatment he goes no and then he just goes doesn't do the umrah carries on with his life and he drops why doesn't he find any problem with it then a person goes he's got a strong heart you don't know about that brother the response is because maybe he's taken less from the world now how or why has he got that quality because if you take less from the world what are you eager for paradise only way to get to paradise is death so if you get a death sentence you go Alhamdulillah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well then you can have a joke with the doctor but you also got death sentence. <laughs> Why well, is the proof the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said we are um, consider yourself already amongst the people of the great. What does that mean? In Sahih Muslim. It means you're already dead. Because isn't that true? We're all dead men walking. That's what it means but somebody's closer to death and you know we got numbers. The number one means he's the next on the hit list. But your number is coming. So imagine you got a number now, imagine I could show it to you. Be honest. How would you feel? I don't want to see that number. You know, you're right, you're right. I don't want a number there. He goes, no, you've got five figures. Why do you tell me five figures? Now I'm going to, I won't be able to go to sleep. Right? When he gets down to four figures, you know, he might as well get shot for him. Single figures, you know, he's ready to go in him, mashallah. Similarly, our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the believer is not eager except for three things. These are the only things he's eager for. Provisions for the next life. 
improving on those provisions or enjoying the lawful. Subhanallah. In Imam Ahmad's Musnad, Hakim in his Musnadrak Ibn Hiban, Imam Ghazali in his Ihya, volume 4, page 510, in the chapter on supervision and reckoning of oneself. So this is the believer. He's eager for what? Deeds. He gets happy when somebody tells him, you know, I'll give you an example. I told one brother, I was brother, you know, if you do this, you get two million good deeds. You should have seen, like, in a cartoon, when steam comes out of the ears and eyes pop out. Like, what? Like, I goes, yeah, you got two million good deeds. He says, what is it? What do I need to do? I go, say, la ilaha illallahu wahduhu la shaliku lahu ahadan samadan alam yalid wa lam yulad wa lam yukul lahu kufu an akhad. So he said, because you got two million good deeds. You're raised. Oh, alhamdulillah. The barani, authentic hadith. So the believer is eager. Second, he's eager to improve. Meaning he's got his deeds, he's happy with them, but he's not happy. He goes, Ya Allah, there's so many other treasures that you haven't given me. Guide me to it. Guide me. And when you know it, some people have got more of the treasures. So you go to them and they give you them treasures. But then you know that if you do this, you get, oh brother, thank you. Alhamdulillah. You've given me another treasure. People have died without even acquiring those treasures. Think about it. Think of a simple treasure that you've got. So let me give you a you must have all have got this, inshallah. Do you all say Subhanallah you'll be humdi hundred times in a day? Yeah? You all say that. MashaAllah. What's the reward? If your sins are like the ocean, Allah Ta'ala will forgive Sayyid Bukhari. People die without that rizq. Think about that. You know, these, you know, these treasures that Allah Ta'ala gives. Now imagine you will die. Imagine not knowing a treasure. Do you know that? What? What do you mean they didn't know it? So you're eager to improve. What was the dua Rasulullah gave to Mu'ad ibn Jabal? Allahumma a'inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husni ibadatik. Abu Dawud sayyih hadith. He said, say this dua after every farad prayer. Oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, help me in remembering you, in thanking you, and worshipping you in the most beautiful way. The Prophet gave that gift to Mu'ad after saying he, he loved him. He said, oh Mu'ad, I love you. Never forget to say this dua after the Salat. So look at the dua. What was the three duas he gave? Help me. In other words, Yala, help me. I don't know what the treasures are. Help me in remembering you. Help me in thanking you. Help me in worshipping you in the beautiful way. Allahumma a'inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husni ibadatik. Five times a day you're supposed to make that dua. Some people haven't got that treasure. What are you doing, brother? Tejaka, brother. Do tejakas. Carry on with your tejakas. Consider also the... And also enjoying the love. That's also your eager. Now what does that mean? It means there's a time. Hazrat Ali once... Uh, sorry, Hazrat Umar radiyallahu who once was caught in hadiths. And people were... Just, you know, mind were wondering. He started talking about plants. <laughs> so imagine it. He's going... And then he saw people and then he went. The pavement should be five, two meters wide and there should be plants on both sides. Right? Now why did he do that? Because there's time, people sometimes, you know, they've got boj. They can't hear. So let's talk about plants. But what's funny is when the people heard about plants, they'd come round again. <laughs> forgive, forgive us, Amin al forgive us. They go, alright. You should I go back to Revelation. Consider also the beautiful words of Hafiz ibn Kayyim. In his Al-Wabil As-Sayyib, page 134 of the New English Translation, be like a person going on a path. Whenever someone stops him, the traveler tries to take him along with him. Thus he leads him, he is not led or influenced by him. So stop in the core. 
He goes, be like a person on a path. So you're walking towards a destination. Then you get a person, you know, he tries to stop you. So half is Ibn Kayyim goes, don't let him stop you. Grab him, take him with you. <laughs> then he said, if he refuses to come along with you, do not let him accompany you or even delay you. Rather continue along the path, leave him alone. Pay no attention to him. For indeed he is a highway robber, regardless of who he actually might be. Let not the sun set on you before you reach your destination. Look how beautiful. He goes, you're on a path. You, you, know, you get a Muslim. He's on it like a bonnet. You know the modern saying, isn't it? On it like a bonnet. Right? And you see people, they even say, look brother, he, he's on it. Who, on what? He goes, he's on a mission. <laughs> What's the mission? Akhirat. He goes, mission Akhirat. Yeah, he goes, he, he won't mess about when he comes to Salat. You try and take him away, he'll, he'll give you a mukha. Right? Don't even try it. If you want him, he could, he's going to drag you to the masjid. He goes, he's on a mission. That's what Ibn Qayyim said you're supposed to be. But if he's, look how touching, you don't push the person away. You just grab him. You encourage him, say, no, no, let's go, it's time for Salat. He goes, hey, one minute, I came for two. He goes, no, go on then, right? So you take him to the Salat. He goes, if he refuses to come, leave him. Say, brother, I'm busy, forgive me. And then he said, pay no attention. Why? Because he is a highway robber, no matter who he is. Might be your father. Think about it. Even though he's your father, he's a highway robber. He's taking you away. But you've got to be careful this with your parents. You can't bluntly say no to them. But think about it. Look at the mindset. And then he goes, don't let the sun set before you reach your destination. Don't fall short. So what does that tell you? Food for thought in the modern age of social influences. <laughs> What's all about? Because he's an influencer. You know, what do you mean he's an influencer? Because he's got more than 500,000 uh, followers. Because who's following him? No idea, right? You know, he's an influencer. Who's he influencing? Right? If you think about it, you know, what a strange time we're living in. How is he influencing them? Do they even know each other? No. So the guy he doesn't know is influencing him. Right? I mean, you got to take, you got to take, what's this take? Likes. Yeah. <laughs> Likes, mashallah. So note again, you know, subhanAllah, you got problems. But, like to finish, in the hadith in Tirmadi Sayyih, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what did he say? He said, and this is the rough meaning of the hadith, he said, he who travels, travels early. And he who travels early reaches his destination easy. Mm. Now what did he mean by that? <laughs> Look how beautiful the Prophet speaking. He goes, if you on a journey, and just common sense, if your flight is at 12 o'clock midday, and somebody goes, what time is it enough then? It's 6 o'clock in the morning. Why are you going 6 hours early for? He goes, you got to go early, you don't go late. Something good happens. Better to be early than late. And you guys got wisdom. Another guy goes, I'm going half ten. Oh, you going half ten for? He goes, well, I don't need it. I'll, I'll be there, bang on time. Would you congratulate him? He said, listen, man, you, 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 what are you doing? That is crazy. And he goes, no, 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 you're crazy for going early. So the Prophet said, was he talking about a, a worldly, no, he's talking about the Akhirat. If you go early, it means you're preparing. You're doing plenty of deeds. You don't start saying, when I retire, I'm going to become Oliya. When you get to retire, some people come back out of retirement. <laughs> That's another phenomenon. He goes, oh, he's out now. I was watching news. And these guys come out of retirement. He goes, I'm back in. He goes, back in? He goes, I thought you retired. He goes, they need me again. 
Pochara came out, back in. Right? Imagine that one. Because, you know, then workforce is a bit low and nobody's with your elders working. Elders back in. Right? So, you go early, you prepare early. Alhamdulillah, you'll have, pl- you'll have plenty of provisions. You go late, you're in problems. And then the Prophet وسلم, he said, and similarly, the one who goes late, then he mentioned the opposite. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us understanding. I mean, and his reports indicating that if you are 60, there's no more warnings after that. So 60 in lunar years is about 57. The Prophet goes this, like the, to the nearest meaning, he goes, that is your last chance. So Allah Ta'ala is basically giving you time, even though you shouldn't be doing it. Well, that's foolishness on your part. But at a certain age, it's like, now nah, what's left? Right? You know, car scrapped, now nah, you're going to start working. Imagine, look at the state of the car. It's going to be electric, wouldn't it, mashallah. Are there any questions? Let us.